Hello, I am Yogini Sunita and this is Meditation, Yoga and Stuff podcast. I believe my dharma or my life's purpose is to share my understanding of meditation, yoga and Ayurveda, holistic healing science of India. I make these amazing wisdoms accessible and adaptable for present times. So let's start. Hello and welcome to the podcast. Today's guest is really amazing, Nicola Ellis. She is my dear friend. Nicola has has been always been there for me and I'm so happy to introduce her to you all. Nicola is a senior yoga teacher. She has many degrees in many fields. So I would suggest Nicola to introduce that and, and tell us about your yoga journey. Hello, Sunita. And firstly, thank you very much for inviting me to come and talk to you on your podcast. I'm very honored and I'm really excited because it's always so much fun to talk to you. (laughs) I know. We always chat our heart out, so this is good. (laughs) We do. We do chat our hearts out. So, um, But you'll have to keep me on track because you know I wander off in lots of different directions, especially when we're talking about yoga. Um, (laughs) So, yeah, look, um, to introduce myself, I have been at this yoga business for just over 30 years now. Mm -hmm. And I started in my very early 20s and never stopped. (laughs) And I can talk a little bit more about how that started, but um, I didn't ever plan to be a yoga teacher. That wasn't my plan. And I know a lot of people say this. They just wanted to know more. And I know that yoga had made an incredible indelible transformative impression on my life mm. in a way that I could not believe it it I really do credit yoga with having saved my life um, and of course I became very passionate about well firstly finding out how like how did yoga mm. make such a difference to my life how did it help me deal with the problems I was having at the time back in my 20s that nothing else seemed to be able to help me with. So I wanted to know how and why it worked. And that's why I embarked on this 30-year study or investigation of, of <laughs> yoga, of the science, of the practice, of the sister science of Ayurveda, and then branching out into yoga therapy and 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 then it was actually from yoga a lot of people they tell me their story in yoga and they start as professionals with a a regular day job and regular qualifications in something grown up (laughs) and then yoga supports you know they have their doctors or they have a corporate job or they an office job or something like that and they discover yoga and it has such a great impact on them that they kind of move away from that uh, professional grown-up world towards yoga and my journey was the opposite I came from yoga and it was my passion for learning the science of yoga that took me into the study of uh, health and uh, psychology in in a western sense as well so I kind of had a bit of a topsy-turvy journey (laughs) 
Right. And I know that you have been to India to learn from Krishnamacharya, the great master of yoga and other teachers as well. And uh, you have, uh, you lo- you, you, your wisdom is quite deep, Nicola. Like I can say that, you know, any topic and uh, I, I can comfortably talk with you quite, we can, as our chats are quite deep on this subject. And so would you like to share a little bit about your experience in India and uh, how was it? And, and how do you bring that home into a day-to-day life here? And then I also like to ask you a little bit more about yoga therapy, but let's start here with your, uh, how do you bring that Eastern wisdom of yoga into this Western world? Well, that's a great question, Sunita. And I think the answer to that has to be through, I hate, the word authentic is so overused and it's such a subjective word. But okay, so my subjective authentic experience. So how how I, I guess, translate what I have learned in Hmm. Indian traditions into my practice and my teaching and my work in uh, Australia is channeled through my own authentic experience of yoga. So as I mentioned, I came to yoga in my early 20s and I had not, I didn't choose yoga, yoga chose me. So I had an upbringing that wasn't without its challenges. I experienced a number of what they call adverse childhood experiences in the psychology trade, ACEs. And I was very vulnerable to mental health issues, anxiety and depression throughout my um, late childhood and early teens, young adulthood. And that manifested itself in some extremely risk-taking behaviors, including abuse of drugs and alcohol. And this all culminated um, in, uh, well, I basically fell over. Physically, mentally, literally, metaphorically, I had a breakdown and was packed off home from university to my parents who had no idea what to do with me. I was just broken and they had no idea what to do. And as I started to recover, I mean, I was, I was ill to a point where I lost, I couldn't see. There was nothing wrong with my eyes, but I'd gotten mm. myself into such a, a state of um, panic and overwhelm that I, I was as if I was blind and it sounds ridiculous, but, um, and I had agoraphobia. I couldn't leave the house. And the only thing that I could do reliably to support me to manage day to day was vacuuming. I would walk for maybe six to eight hours a day vacuuming (laughs) because that movement and that vibration stopped me from spinning out into this unbearable state where I didn't think I could continue to live another day. And it was a a friend from uni who contacted me and said, look, this is going to sound ridiculous, but I think you should try yoga. And I had no idea what yoga was, really. And she picked me up and took me to this sports hall because there were no boutique yoga studios back in the day. (laughs) And so there I was in this cold, drafty sports hall in the south of England um, and desperate to not be there. Hmm. And but I was kind of it was my last resort. It really was my last resort. And I would love to tell you that yoga fixed me, that something happened in that class and I had an epiphany and I was, you know, my life was, was put back on track and it didn't happen. I hated it, but, 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 but. <laughs> there were just these tiny, 
moment hmm. where I wasn't experiencing the most awful, abject terror hmm. and uh, agony that I didn't think I could continue to live with for a second longer. There were just moments where I went, oh, hold on, I was normal for a second. What? Mm-hmm. And, then, and then kind of plunge back into the darkness. But just those little moments of going, oh, hang on, I'm just, no, 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 that's normal. But like maybe 10 seconds yeah. <laughs> coming out of it. That, that gave me this window that maybe, hang on, maybe I, I thought I was broken, that I was never going to be healed. Yeah. And that gave me an insight into well hold on I felt normal there for just a few seconds something happened there I want to do that again and I want to find out what made me normal (laughs) feel normal and so I went back and back and back and back and back and the rest as they say is history so to come back to your question you know fast forwarding 10 20 years and and I've been studying with teachers in Australia and in England and I go off to India to study with teachers in the Krishnamacharya tradition. I was a student of TKV Desikachar and um, the Mohans and many people who were also students of uh, Krishnamacharya and Desikachar. Things, you know, and certainly when I was studying back in the day, things, the way that yoga was taught was very different. It was very traditional. There were no guidebooks and handbooks and notes and online courses. There was your teacher and your teacher stood there and they told you stuff and they would demonstrate stuff and you took from it what you had the capacity to take in that moment. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? There was no spoon feeding. There was no, oh, hold on. Sorry, I didn't understand that. Could you go back and give me a like, no, there no. it is. And it's in the present moment and you live that present moment experience of learning with your teacher in that moment. Yeah. And it, it is what it is in that moment. And <laughs> I was able to take that present moment experience that absolute gift and privilege of sitting with those great teachers and learning from them and I was applying I wasn't just learning it like you know you go to university to learn medicine so you can practice on on somebody else Hmm. I was learning something that was transforming my own life in that moment my consciousness my physical body the way I breathe my perception everything was being transformed by that relationship with the teacher in the moment because of my experience of ill health and my background and blah 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 so what I was then able to do when I when I brought this back and I did start to teach despite thinking I never would was that I what I was teaching wasn't coming from a hypothetical um his or theoretical background it wasn't well here's how you do a hip opener and oh here's the kind of pranayama that you do before you go to bed or he you know that kind of color by numbers Neil Pearson calls it what did he call it I had a conversation with Neil Pearson who's a great yoga therapist and a physiotherapist he called it um yogopathy right like naturopathy there's this oh you've got a migraine here do this yoga pose and oh you've got a you've got a sore toe here do this pranayama practice it's yogopathy it's not that is not the practice of yoga the practice of yoga is developing in your own way (laughs) however you can with your teacher developing a profound understanding of those principles Mm-hmm. Uh, those classical prints so I'm talking in the Krishnacharya tradition it was very much based on the classical text it was a Patanjali based Happy Yoga Pradipika um, Bhagavad Gita this is, so embodying those principles in, in whatever way you're capable of doing when they come to you yes. and living that yes. and so when I started to teach 
it was coming from that profound experience of 10, mm. 20 years of embodying that rather than from a, oh, here's some stuff that I've learned and I'm going to tell you what I've learned. It was, yeah. here's, here's what has become part of my life and I'm happy to share with you as my teacher shared with me in whatever capacity I can because mm. I'm never going to know it all right. Even my teachers who are brilliant beyond belief and, and had this wisdom beyond anything I could ever aspire to, you know, they still don't know it all. Nobody does. Exactly. I don't know. Yes, yes. Unless you believe you're an enlightened master. And I tell you what, I have not met any of those. I could, <laughs> I could, I could talk to the cows come home about that. But yeah, yeah you, just, you just do what you can with what is your ex authentic experience in that yeah. moment. I, I totally agree. I totally agree what you say. Uh, I, I truly also believe that yoga chooses you. Uh, it's not uh, sometimes we think that we choose yoga, but that's not true. <laughs> yoga chooses us. What we do with that experience is purely up to us. The opportunity is given to us, you know, and then uh, you said it very, again, correctly that the embodiment of these practices, when we embody it and then share, it has a different energy to it, you know, and that our clients, our students feel, if we, uh, you know, just the, you become a parrot and they just say that, okay, this is hip opener and use that. And, and there it almost like we lose purpose of yoga, purpose of yoga, as we know that, you know, it's uh, uh, coming back to enlightenment, moving towards correcting the energy in the system. And so this is such a beautifully, you shared it very beautifully, Nicola. I really appreciate that. Now, I have a question about, uh, can you talk a little bit about yoga therapy and other courses you offer as well? So I would like to our uh, audience know that, you know, you offer such amazing courses. So if you talk about maybe yoga therapy and maybe someone wants to try yoga therapy, where can they <laughs> find you and things like that? So please uh, talk a little bit about yoga therapy. <laughs> Yes, I would love to. And yoga therapy is, you know, it's a little bit contentious because there are plenty of people who say, well, yoga is therapy. Yeah. Like it's all yoga therapy. <laughs> and to call it yoga therapy and have it kind of, you know, in a special glass case with the yoga therapy label on, that's wrong. You shouldn't do that. And I can see that perspective. And yoga in its, you know, in its most raw traditional form is to keep that it is healing it is therapy but I think what I mean when I talk about yoga therapy and when I train people to become yoga therapists or when I uh, treat people with yoga therapy what I mean is that this is yoga that is designed to meet the needs of this person or these people in this moment yeah. and so much of yoga as it is currently practiced, and I was going to say in the West, but I spent enough time in India to know it's the yes. same there. Oh, I know oh. that too. <laughs> <laughs> right? Um, that, um, that a lot of what is practiced is, is, it is absolutely yoga. I'm not going to say, oh, look, if it's just asana, it's not yoga. And if it's hot yoga, it's not yoga. It's all yoga, but it's just a bit of yoga. Yeah. Like it's this bit. It's this bit. And yeah. this is that bit of yoga. And this bit of yoga takes that bit of classical teaching. And this bit is the interpretation of that particular yoga teacher. And so it's all yoga, but it's just bits of yoga. And yoga therapy is all of yoga <laughs> plus more because it is also informed by science, Western science. Mm. 
and it encompasses Ayurveda. So you've got all of yoga. You've got, and it's looking at the human through the lenses of yoga philosophy. So you are never looking, if somebody has anxiety, you're not looking at, at that as a mental health issue. You look at it through the lens of the five koshas because that, that illness is manifesting itself, yes, in the mind, but it's also embodied. It's also in the way that they breathe. It's also energetic. It's also affecting their intuition, their relationship with themselves and the world. Hmm. So it's a very holistic view. You'd also be looking at the, you know, the gunas, the tamas, the rajas, the sattva. You'd also be looking at all of the different pranas um, in the different parts of the body. You'd also be looking at the philosophy. You'd be looking at Ayurveda, uh, observing the person through the lens of the doshas. So it, it's taking all of the philosophy of yoga that you might have learned in a class or in your level one teacher training, and it's learning how to apply it. So you learn it really well. And then you learn how to apply it to the individual in a way that is supportive of their healing. And something that's really, really, really super important about yoga therapy is that a yoga therapist is not a healer. Hmm. They are not fixing the person. I do not heal or fix my students. What I do is I support them yeah. to find the practices and perspectives that allow them to find their own path to healing which might mean something quite different to what I think it means when we first meet. <laughs> I am not controlling this. I am supporting that person and I'm offering tools that based on my training and experience, I can match as best as I can to the needs of that individual. So it's, it's very relational. It's me understanding Yes. or learning and doing my best to understand and build a relationship with the, with the student. And through that relationship together, we find what it is that is going to support that person to heal themselves. I, I totally agree. And I think here, the, it's not like taking a pill, uh, you know, uh, when you go to a doctor and take a, take a medicine and then it's not, you, you heal. That's not uh, what happens in yoga therapy. I think the person has to take responsibility of their health. They need to understand what's happening, their diet, their, you know, and also uh, tuning into like um, a regular practice is going to help them. So they have kind of like almost taking health and well-being in their hands in many ways and, and regular practices slowly and steadily, I think, bring a lot of uh, positive change in their life. And as you said, very rightfully that we are not, uh, we're not fixing anything, uh, helping them to move towards their, uh, you know, optimal energy or uh, is that the right way to look at like optimal health? Or uh, Yes, it is. And what optimal health looks like in a person is maybe not what you as a yoga therapist <laughs> yes. thinks it looks like. Because I think just picking up on what you said about taking individual responsibility for your health and 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 you know being proactive in your own healing I absolutely agree with that um, as a yoga therapist I'm not giving people a pill and that's what fixes them however what I do steer away from is this concept this this kind of and it's really embedded in our culture in the west that you have to pull your socks up and help yourself and somehow, if you are not helping yourself, if you're not making the right decisions, if you, if you are a, a person who is 
heavier than you want to be and you are eating lasagna, somehow there's something wrong with you yeah. and it's, it's your fault and you're not taking personal responsibility. Do you know what I mean? Or that if you have diabetes or cancer or something, that, that somehow it's a, a deficiency in your choices or your behaviors. And, yeah. and if you're not drinking green smoothies and, you know, running in the park every day, well, you know, you, you just have to expect whatever you get. And that's not the approach that we take. <laughs> yes, yes I, because, agree. I totally agree with that. Like, yeah, what I meant was, you know, uh, the optimal health uh, can be, just maybe a small walk for that person in 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 the park or things like that or you know yeah. it, it, it is not uh, optimal weight or things like that you know what's happening in their system and how they can slowly and steadily bring a little bit comfort and wellness in their life and also acceptance of what's happening in their life you know uh, these uh, these diseases playing havoc on the, on the body and a lot of time the mind is overwhelmed. So, a lot, so all these uh, relaxation practices do really help. That's it. So we're really, so I, I look, certainly when I, because I work with a lot of students with uh, mental health related issues. And so uh, anxiety, depression, uh, eating disorders, also with in uh, addiction recovery. Mm. And I consider the work that I do with those students is, capacity building mm. so, because a lot of people just don't have the capacity to either make the decisions that move them towards health and recovery or even if they make the decision to support the ongoing actions and behaviors that are required to move them towards the, the health outcomes that they may be looking for and so it's not that it's not oh okay I'm going to give you here's your practice you've got to do it every day and if you don't do it you know I can't help you you've got to take personal responsibility for it is okay so it's now my responsibility to support this person if I give them a 10 minute practice to do every day they're not going to do it <laughs> because it's beyond their capacity right now somebody who has depression clinical depression it's way beyond them so it's my role to find ways of building their capacity to be able to start to take the first steps mm. and of course you know other other students it's a completely different story and they have different so, but what I'm saying is that everyone has different levels of capacity yeah. and you as a yoga therapist you're working with that capacity building it nurturing it supporting it and providing whatever tools will help the student to to do that I think yeah meeting meeting the student where they're at and also, mm -hmm. sometimes even in my personal experience, I know that if you are in pain or if you're going through something like illness or something like that, even though you know all the techniques and you know how to look after yourself, you need outside guidance because that time nothing <laughs> like nothing comes up, you know, and, and you almost like draw blank. And so that time, if you have like guidance, like a yoga therapist gently suggesting things, you're like, ah. I can do that, you know, so it's, it's really good almost to have someone gently guiding and almost like, you know, giving you support. I think that's very, uh, that, that's, that's also emotionally and mentally that is very helpful for the clients, I think. I, I think so. And of course, I'm coming from a 
you know, I have my own biases. Part of my journey has been to train in uh, psychotherapy. So I have a master's degree in counseling and psychotherapy because I, I believe that to be a critical skill for all helping professions. Mm-hmm. Um, and, as, and the yoga therapy training that we provide at my company, Adore Yoga, has a strong component of counseling, I guess, accidental counseling. I don't train counselors. But learning those foundational counseling skills of you know, active listening, of uh, reflecting and summarizing and holding space and being comfortable with silence and all of those key skills of counseling, because those are critical to a yoga therapist, because otherwise it does become that yogopathy where you go in and you say, okay, I've got a checklist, tick off all the problems that you have, and I'll give you a little practice that will help to fix them. And that's not what yoga therapists do. that's not what they do yeah so those counseling skills are super important to supporting it's it's the relationship that uh is is the foundation of the the healing process not it's not about the asana that you give the students (laughs) that's not what's going to make the difference it's everything around that asana it's the relationship it's the context it's their inner experience of it it's how they frame it and understand it it's it's yeah it's not it's never just the asana i think it's a bigger picture it's the whole uh, yoga ayurveda going hand in hand and uh, also you know working together uh, to help the client any way we can so i think that's a beautifully uh, put nicola nicola you also have uh, other teacher training sorry to put you on spot (laughs) (laughs) but i know that you you very uh, amazing uh, in your teacher trainings you created a meditation teacher training which is also fantastic i know that there is always a waiting list for those as well and i think your speciality is bringing these wisdom and uh, of you know ancient wisdom into modern life very successfully and how to adapt it into day-to-day life so would you like to share a little bit about meditation teacher training uh, or <laughs> uh, like talk about meditation and how how that runs is it online fully are courses fully online what's happening yeah well look everything's online because i you know <laughs> depending on where you are and when you listen to this you'll understand why <laughs> we're very much <laughs> locked down in sydney and of course our courses, people come from all over the country and all over the world to our training. So, yeah, the meditation teacher training is online. And, yes, it does synthesize a lot of Eastern wisdom. I mean, yoga, people think that yoga and meditation are different things, but the definition of yoga, according to uh, Patanjali, who's kind of the father of modern yoga, is is meditation. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Yoga is just a, a state or the process and the state of being in this single-pointed awareness, the state in which all of the mental chatter that causes all your suffering is is suspended. So it is yoga rather than it's not, I don't come from uh, a Buddhist tradition or a transcendental uh, um, meditation tradition. It's absolutely from a classical yoga tradition, the meditation that we teach in our teacher training. Mm. And you know, my back, as, as well as the Masters in Counseling and Psychotherapy, I also have postgrad training in public health, I have a graduate diploma in public health from Sydney Uni. And a lot of people who work in health from nurses, uh, doctors, social workers, clinicians in allied health, 
they have experienced the benefits of meditation for themselves as well as yoga teachers and mums and dads and all sorts of people have experienced that benefit or they've read about it. Mm -hmm. And what we do is provide a, a training that is non-dogmatic and shares safe ways yeah. to teach multiple types of meditation. So there is our, our approach is that there is no one size fits all. Mm -hmm. The mindfulness is not a magic bullet. Yes. Uh, for some people, mindfulness is absolutely um, is positively unsafe, depending yeah. on your mental state and context. But there, there is a form of meditation or a practice for meditation or a preparation that everyone can do. Hmm. And so we teach uh, seven different types of meditation uh, and train people to understand how and when to use those. So when they have a student or a group that they're teaching, they can understand what kind of meditation is going to be most appropriate and useful for that person or for those people so that the, the students or, or the patients or whoever they're teaching have the optimal experience and it's a positive experience because not everyone's experience of meditation is a good one. <laughs> yes, and I agree. I mean, uh, that's why... Traditionally, the guru used to tune into disciples' energy and offer the right practices for that person's energy. And there is also shadow side of meditation, which people don't understand that yes. you know, not everyone, every meditation is for everyone. We are quite unique. So the meditation practices, sometimes we, uh, we can't like, you know, sit for one hour meditation. It has to be gently <laughs> coming into that. And and uh, I, I like your teacher training because it's it's very written, very well done. And, and students get practical skills of teaching into, you know, all the scenarios like group and one-on-one -on -one and all those things. So that's really, uh, if uh, I suggest my clients as our listeners to, uh, if you want, I'm going to put uh, Nicola's website on uh, the show notes. Uh, so you can go to adoryoga.com and you can uh, see what she's offering. She offers amazing stuff, really good learning you know, experiences. And it is done very well. Like it's even if it is online, people uh, gain a lot out of that. Like uh, raving fans is what I hear from <laughs> Uh, really good uh, website, uh, like in uh, you know online courses, and and beauty of I think on online courses you can do it from anywhere from the world. So that's that's another thing. Like I think in a in a positive sense, these online courses I love it. Like I am also doing courses from you know for, for all over the world for my favorite teachers, and happily, you know it's 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 a nice way to connect. I think you know. So, I agree. And look, our online courses are fully interactive. So mm -hmm. there's none of this, you know, just do it while you're doing the washing up or just put your camera off and multitask. It's absolutely, you know, there's stuff that you do on your own home study. But mm -hmm. the tutorials are live and they're face to face and they're interactive and people are working together to practice the skills that they're learning. So you're actually doing hands on teaching practice and uh, course development. So everybody goes home at the end of the course with a five-week meditation course ready to teach that they have developed for themselves. I don't give them a handout that says, oh, here's your five-week course that you're now qualified to teach. It's like, no, 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 no. Who, who are you? Who are you teaching? Let's figure out how to develop a course that is just right for them. And everyone walks out with that course ready to teach. 
And it's, yeah, I love that meditation course. It's, it's, it's a lot yeah. of fun. <laughs> I love it too. <laughs> because most of the Nicolas, like uh, teacher training, I will be there teaching some subjects, you know, one or two subjects. Oh, yes. We couldn't do it without you, Sunita. <laughs> we really couldn't. It's amazing, you know. So, but I love, this is my passion. And uh, thank you for giving that opportunity to share it with, you know, your students and uh and thank you for today. Like uh, we can talk and talk. I know that I'm going to invite you again and we're going to talk something different now. The next Yay! time. Uh, I'd love to. <laughs> you will, uh, everyone, you will hear Nicola again because she is a vast uh, reservoir of knowledge. And we chat a lot. So I'm just going to record that and put it on podcast. And I'm going, I think you will, you will gain a lot from Nicola. She's amazing. And please visit her website and really, you know, uh, have a look at the courses she's offering. It's amazing. It's life, these life transforming courses there. And Nicola, thank you so much for giving your time in this crazy time. So I know you're very busy, but thank you for you know taking this time out for me and for the podcast. And I really appreciate that. Oh, it's such a pleasure, Sunita. And I always have time for you. So thank oh, you for inviting me. And it's just, it's such a joy. You've made my day. <laughs> thank you, Nick. Thank you for tuning in. I really appreciate that, that you're taking this time out of your day. Don't forget to subscribe. Take care. Bye for now. Bye.